Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode 125 with Kim Hibbs. And in this conversation, Kim discusses what 2020 was like as a custom builder, kind of the challenges that the industry is facing, but more importantly, some of the opportunities and kind of what he's done over the last several years and this uh, this past year specifically to move his business ahead. Kim has been a longtime listener of the show, and he also has his own podcast that he uses to market his business. We chat about that a little bit as well, but I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. So stay tuned for episode 125 with Kim Hibbs. Hey, Kim, glad to have you here with me. It's great to be with you. I listen to you each week and uh, really like uh, not only your podcast, but quite frankly, what you're doing for the industry. A lot of help for a lot of people. I really appreciate that. And that's one of the reasons I'm having you on the show is I think you've got a lot to offer uh, our listeners as well. And before we get too deep in the weeds, you've got a podcast as well. And uh, I think you're probably one of the few builders that has actually made that plunge. So I'm curious, why did you start that? <laughs> well, I've got a media background. I mean, that, I was in television and radio for 20 some years before I got into building. And so I've really tried to put a focus uh, with, with our company over the past four or five years on sales and marketing. And I just kept listening to, you know, podcasts and understanding kind of the nature of them and felt that, you know, when it comes to everything from just helping our clients understand a little bit better about who we are to search engine optimization and everything that kind of goes along with it, I thought this could be a, a real good opportunity for us to enter the space. And we're focused a little bit more, though, on the, the, the home buyer or the homeowner. We're truly coming at them from the standpoint of if you want to build a custom home, here's what you need to know. Here's the process. Here's the procedure. Here's some of the cool things that go along with it. So it was more from the standpoint that, that we're focused not on the, the building professional, but quite frankly, those who are interested in building a custom home. We are coming up on season number three. And my goal, though, is I want to make your top 10 or your top 20 list next year of the best <laughs> construction podcasts. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. And I love the approach because, you know, I mean, obviously we're speaking to folks like you, builders, remodelers, because that's our audience, but your audience is the home home builder, the home buyer. And I'm curious, have you had people that have like come to you and they're like, oh, I've been listening to the podcast, you know, and then they're, they're like pre-exposed to you before they even have that first meeting? We have. We've had several people come to us, but here's the downside. They always are in another market and they say to, they say oh, to us, oh, I wish you would build here. We literally had <laughs> an email from a, uh, a family over in Kansas City the other just earlier this week. We've had emails from Iowa. We've had emails from Texas and California. And we're always happy to help our, our, you know, those who are listening to our podcast because here's the reason. I feel like our industry gets, in many cases, a lot of you know, bad raps because sometimes you have builders or remodelers that might take advantage of, of the consumer. But there are so many really good builders and really good remodelers, you never hear their story. So if I can go out of my way to help one or two people 
and and give them a real good impression about our industry and they start to spread the word to me it's worth it so i don't it really doesn't matter to me if i'm helping someone in in one of the other 49 states i'm happy to do so because that's really what this industry is all about a lot of great people doing a lot of great things yeah yeah no i love that approach and so you said you were in media first mm-hmm. how'd you get into to home building you know, it was one of those things where I have a kind of a background, my, my family history. I have a, a brother who's a very successful uh, civil engineer in, uh, in Texas. And then my father-in-law was in industrial painting. So he's an entrepreneur. My brother's an entrepreneur. I had a brother who's in commercial, uh, commercial real estate up in Minnesota. I was working at the local TV station here. And my wife and I had our first couple of kids. They were both, what, two, three years old. And my wife wanted to go back to work, but she didn't want to do anything full time. So believe it or not, we started flipping homes. And while it was okay, Spencer, the problem I had with it is we always wanted to put too much into the homes. And we would always say, oh, somebody's going to pay for that tile. They'll love it. Somebody's going to pay for those appliances. They'll love it. Well, truth be told, it is really about the cost per square foot. So we, we really never you know, hit our stride, if you will. And then we did that for maybe a year and a half, two years. And then we started building spec homes. And that was a lot better because we could design the home and we could you know, pick out all the finishes and, and, and finish the home that way. And that was much more satisfying. And then believe it or not, we started that in 04, uh, building spec homes. And by 2006, we were on into custom homes. And our first custom home ever was a big home, $1.5 million home in the outskirts of the St. Louis area, one of the suburbs. And we've never looked back from there. Everything we've done, we've never built the same home twice. And everything we do is truly custom. And we focus heavily on procedures, processes, sales, marketing, the clients, and and that's kind of who we are and how we do things. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Sounds like uh, flipping, you got excited. You're like, yeah, let's put in all the goodies. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) we we learned a quick lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, that's cool. That's that's an awesome, that seems like a natural transition to what you guys really cared about and liked about the process. And you've mentioned that you guys have been sales and marketing focused now for a while. I kind of want to hear from you and just your experience. How has 2020 gone for you? And then maybe with the context of you've been focused on sales and marketing for the past several years, mm-hmm. did you guys see a stall? Did you decline? Did you explode? Like kind of what's this year been like for you guys? So that's an interesting question. And we're building both now in the St. Louis area and also Northern Utah. We opened up a branch out there about a year ago. And it was it was very similar when we're, you know, in, in both markets, construction was deemed essential. So we never mm-hmm. were fully shut down. But I think, you know, the, the first uh, stay at home order or shelter in place order, whatever they called it, came out somewhere in mid-March. And immediately it's like someone unplugged all of our phones because nothing happened. And of course, we're in the middle of several projects. So we were fortunate that those projects could continue. But from from a sales standpoint, the phones literally shut off. We purposely decided to kind of pull back on our marketing too. And I think that was the right move because we wanted to get a better handle on what is going on, what are the ramifications, and and just wanted to get a better handle on it. After about six weeks or so, Spencer, it became clear that you know it, it was maybe going to afford us the opportunity to start marketing a little bit more. Now, I'm not going to say it's the marketing that got the phones to ring because I've talked to builders all across the country who say, really, after that first pause, six weeks, maybe eight weeks, the phone started ringing again. 
And I can tell you, I, I truly believe that it's a combination of, of our dedication to sales and marketing over the past four or five years, as well as kind of the change in the, in the landscape, of, if you will, that was caused by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We have never, ever been as busy as we are right now. And the, the number of projects we continue to land, we're, we're taping this podcast in early December. We usually have a, a very slow period in December. This week alone, we have landed three contracts for, for custom amazing. homes. So it really goes to show that, that the market is red hot right now. But again, I, I think one of the messages I have is that sales and marketing is critical. You can never ignore them. They're extremely important. And, and, and I think that's what also helped our success. Yeah, yeah. And certainly, I think there's a few things there that you mentioned that I want to dig into. Let's maybe start on the sales and marketing side. What would be kind of your general recommendation or maybe like, how did you approach that when you kind of got into that mindset you said four or five years ago, like right. this is going to be a focus. Was it start with marketing? Was it hire a salesperson? Like if somebody hasn't made these big moves and they haven't committed to these, you know, as kind of the lifeblood of their business, you know, what, where would you start? <laughs> That's a good question because these are the, these are the exact questions that, that we started asking ourselves uh, four or five years ago. And first of all, so I don't forget, I've got I've to give a shout out to Melody and Danny. I call them our dynamic duo. They handle our marketing and they handle our sales and they are true rock stars in, in the industry. But anyway, so I've known Danny now for about seven years. And we started out by, by making a, a concerted effort on the marketing side of it. We knew, and you know, Spencer, you're, a, you're an expert at this, how this industry morphs and changes social media, anything that's related to digital marketing or social media, everything changes so quickly. But we made a concerted effort several years ago to, to marketing first. So we started there and we made sure that at least with our SEO and our social media, that we were, you know, one of the best in, in, the, in the area, whether it's St. Louis and, and now Salt Lake and Park City. But okay. we focused on making sure that, that we truly were doing the best possible job we could when it came to marketing. So we started there. And then as sales started to pick up, it became very clear that we also then needed to make a concerted effort toward sales. So I know many home builders, especially the custom guys, think, you know what, as long as I'm getting some referrals, uh, we're, we're good. Or as, as long as the phone rings occasionally and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of messing around with my SEO and, and people find me occasionally, that's uh, I'm going to stay busy. But I wanted to grow a business. I wanted to make sure that, that we continued to grow. And so that's one of the reasons we made the, the concerted effort toward marketing first and then sales. But as our marketing picked up and the volume of calls and the volume of potential clients picked up, we had to then place more of, a, uh, more of an emphasis on sales. And so that's when Danny, actually, who was doing marketing for us, marketing and sales, she then became uh, full-time in sales and Melody is taking care of our marketing. But they do. They, they work hard. They work full-time. They're really good at what they do. They're very advanced as far as what they know from a, from a technological standpoint and, and things like that. And another thing that's made a, a huge difference for us too, Spencer, is, is having a very robust CRM system, mm. uh, a CRM system that can you know, do these drip campaigns where if somebody visits your website, they then are going to get periodically email reminders about, hey, we're here. Here's what we do. Here's who we are. Here's who we can help you. Now, you don't want to become obnoxious with it. So you can tailor what your, what your message is. 
that CRM system is critical. And I think that's played a big role in, in kind of our recent success over the past couple of years as well, because in the custom home building industry and in the home building industry, it can take a really long time for someone to get into that pipeline and then finally decide, hey, we're ready to talk with somebody. So if you have them in your system and they're getting these, these very innocent emails, the reminder emails periodically, I think it really helps. So it's kind of like a big package you put together. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I like that you said you started with the marketing because I find a lot of times people will just say, oh, I'll just hire some salespeople. That'll bring more sales. It's like, well, where are you going to get the leads? And then people have to go cold calling or doing all kinds of prospecting or whatever the, the method is. But if you build a marketing machine, you can justify bringing on the salesperson because you're like, I'm so busy. I can't actually field all these appointments. Now I need to. It sounds like that's kind of the approach you took. I'm curious, 100%. what CRM do you use? We're using a, uh, a company, Rick Storley. I don't know if you've heard of Rick or not. He's I have, yeah. Minnesota. So Rick and, Rick and his company are who we're using and they have the CRM system in place. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. I, I love the the concept of thinking about your future self. And so to your point, like buyers will, will sit in the background for months and months, if not years, you know, and, and we just think that leads are people that call us today and want to start a project soon, but leads start way, way back. And I, it is. I'm sure it you is. have several examples of people that have been in your database for years and then they finally are like, hey, let's let's roll. <laughs> well, and, and that's that's exactly it. And that's what Danny, when she first came on board and started in marketing, you know, tip most marketing personnel think that, you know, the, the the timeline for some sort of sale is relatively short. But my goodness, in our industry, it can be year, it can be months, if not years. And so that's where that CRM system is is really critical, I think, to uh, to the success of of most builders and remodelers. Yeah, yeah. Well, shifting gears a little bit, you kind of talked about the pandemic and how a lot of people are really busy right now. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm curious. You're you're in it a lot closer than I am. What challenges do you kind of are you looking ahead to with some maybe some changes? But then what are some of the opportunities and maybe things you're going, hey, like we need to jump on these things. And these are good, good things for people to be thinking about in the industry. So I think the challenges continue to be, you know, socially distancing the crews who are working on our job sites and, and mm-hmm. making sure that in many occasions we have one trade in at a time and, and that, the, you know, that your, the, your job sites are kept clean and, and sanitized. I think those, are, those continue to be the biggest challenges, to be honest with you. Supply chain disruptions continue to be somewhat of a challenge, especially we're finding with appliances, some with, with siding. Uh, lumber prices was a huge problem for a long time. I'm a member of the National Association of Home Builders, actually one of their trustees, so I try to keep up on that. I know that lumber prices are back down to, you know, to more, I will never say normal because we're still above where we, where we were. They backed off a little bit, which helps. So we still have some headwinds out there when it comes to the pandemic. You know, then, then you know, with it, we still don't know maybe what's going to happen with the new administration. We, you know, maybe we're going to face some more shutdowns and things like that. So we're, we're proceeding cautiously in, in relation to the pandemic. I think the opportunities, though, are what I truly try to focus on. And that's kind of what I'm geared toward is really looking forward, which is what I do with my business all the time. I'm looking for opportunities where I think that for the next two or three years, the construction industry 
should stay extremely busy. And I say should only because you don't know where the next worldwide challenge can come from. Um, But if we don't have those challenges, I truly believe with low interest rates, with pent up demand, with new, you know, kind of norms when it comes to the people moving more to the suburbs and, and looking to work from home. So now they can build a house where, you know, that's one of the things we're finding in Park City and in Salt Lake City. People now working from home are really gravitating toward those environments like the mountains and the beach where, where they used to vacation. Now they can live there. So I think there's a lot of opportunities out there simply because of the way the market has positioned itself. I was one who felt like we were we were truly probably in position for some sort of a recession this year or maybe next year, but the pandemic has kind of taken care of that. So I truly believe that, the, that we have a long runway for really sustained growth for the industry as long as we don't have some sort of, again, some sort of a worldwide setback that nobody anticipates. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, we've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. I agree with you because if everything we've seen and heard too, I mean, everyone that would be doing these types of projects. They were typically higher income. So they Mm -hmm. now are working at home. It's the, it's a lot of the service jobs that just got hammered. They weren't typically, you know, high end custom building clients to begin with. And so to your point, you know, those people are going, well, now I can work from anywhere. Where do I want to live? You know, I've actually got this choice now before they were limited to these, you know, super big markets where maybe they had to, you know, get into something smaller and now they can earn a high income, but be in a lower cost, you know, market. So I I think you're right. I'm curious, what has that process been like opening up a new division in another state, you know, pretty far away? I think like I live in Colorado Springs. I know the drive to St. Louis is like uh, 12 hours. So it's, uh, I don't know. It's, I'm sure it's been a journey. (laughs) It has. Well, as we've uh, talked about before, we have uh, pretty good ties and connections into the northern Utah area, family who lives there. My father-in-law had a had an industrial painting uh, company there. We've been going there for 30 years, so I know the lay of the land. And really what prompted it is, I love St. Louis. I mean, I've been living in St. Louis for, for decades now. Love it here. Obviously, that's where our headquarters is. But I'm one that doesn't like to sit still. I really like to you know, have something that I'm doing. And I wanted to continue to grow the business. I organized it. I got it humming from a standpoint of sales and marketing and organization. I really was looking for another opportunity. 
the thing about the St. Louis and the, and the Missouri area is there's not a lot of uh, population growth. There's not a lot of wage growth. And so I didn't see as much of an opportunity for the growth of the business. And then I'm an avid reader. So I read all the trade publications and try to study up on what's going on across the country. And really the, the West Coast, especially the, the areas like the Nevada, Colorado, Utah, Idaho, even Arizona are just really growing very quickly. And Utah was always in either the top five or the top 10 markets in the country. Part of it's because of, of a, what they call Silicon Slopes, which is just south of Salt Lake City. It's a, a high-tech, a booming high-tech area. So a lot of people are moving out of California into Salt Lake City. A lot of companies are, are relocating to Salt Lake City because of the, because of the high-tech area. So it really just, you know, I was actually sitting at a 4th of July party in Park City, Utah, and having a conversation with my sister-in-law and my wife. And it was like, holy cow, this light bulb just kind of goes off. And it was a, it was a, a lengthy process because you've got to, you know, not only are there stricter requirements, so there was a lot of uh, education that was required. There was a, a, a contractor licensing test that was pretty robust that was required. But then you have to make all new connections, all new trades, all new, you know, architects, designers. And I just jumped in and really within the matter of probably six months, I was able to, to get everything behind me made a real good connection and contact with a, with a designer out there, a gentleman by the name of Sam Morgan with Morgan Fine Homes. And he's a member of the HBA. I'm a member of the HBA. I think that relationship is crucial. We got to know each other and he referred, to me, he referred me a couple of clients. And from there, we have uh, two other projects in design, one in the Park City area, one in South, uh, South Salt Lake City. So it's just, uh, it started to, to really take off there as well. I want that growth to be a little bit more slow and more controlled. We've got a general manager, we've got a, a superintendent on the ground out there, but I want to be a little bit more cautious about that growth and, you know, just, just so it doesn't take off too quickly. I want to be a little bit more selective, if you will, regarding the projects that we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. One, And I was going to ask if you thought that that division would maybe surpass your St. Louis division just because of the, just the area growth, I guess. Uh, yeah. Is that something you're seeing long-term or? Long-term, or I think you're absolutely right. I'm going to control it. We want to focus a little bit more of our attention kind of up in the Park City area, Heber, Midway, you know, kind of up in there. But I think long-term from a volume standpoint, it would not surprise me. But we're so busy right now in St. Louis, the number of projects and the volume, it may be hard to catch this area for a while, but that's okay. You know, I, I really want to focus more on, on reasonable and responsible growth out there. Well, that's super cool. Switching gears a little bit, you yeah. know, I know you said uh, you're a traction guy, so I don't know if anybody <laughs> listening is familiar with, with traction. But Love when did, book. oh yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I feel like we implemented maybe... I don't know, 80% of it, but then I also got hooked on four disciplines of execution. So we incorporate a couple elements from that one, but uh, I don't know. I'm a little ADD when it comes to books. and Yeah, <laughs> I, thing, uh, so. I spend quite a bit of time reading too. And I tell you that traction by Gino Wickman and the entrepreneurial operating system, we followed that kind of like you. I mean, we we really focused and, and followed it pretty hard. I think we started maybe four or five years ago. I was president of the, of the St. Louis Home Builders Association back in 15 and 16. 
And as I was uh, was coming out of that, I knew I was going to have a little bit more free time. And so that's when we really started to focus on, and I did, I used the book and I followed the book. And I'm a huge proponent, if you take that book and if you follow, you know, just the steps that they outline for you, we never used a business coach, but I know they make the business coaches available if you're interested, but it just made all the difference in the world when it came to organizing the business, everything from how to hire the right people to how to run a meeting, just really good information. And it's something that, that we followed religiously. And I think it's, it's kind of gone along with our, our focus on, on marketing and sales and CRMs and, and procedures, processes. That's really, I think the procedures and processes really started to fall in place when I was, I was focusing on this book, the Traction book by, by Gino Wickman. It was, it's just been great for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, you said you self-implemented, so they do have implementers and people can help you. If somebody is going to pick up the book today and start self-implementing, how long do you think it took you to really like get all those pieces dialed in? From my experience, it, it's a lot of work. You got to be consistent and it, it does. it's not a flip of a switch. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Two words, be patient or be dedicated because you really do. You, it is not flipping a switch. You have to buy into it. You have to understand. And it is a process. Probably took us a good couple of years, maybe a little bit longer to really implement it. And there's still a few things that today I want to do a better job at, like the, the key performance indicators. That's something I mm. really want to focus on. And it's, it's on my to-do list. I keep a kind of keep a list of, of long-term and short-term things that I'm working on. And, and that's one of them. But for the most part, I'd say we've implemented at least 80, if not close to 90%. And it, uh, it'll take you a while. So you have to be patient and you have to be persistent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good advice. It, it, it took us several years to work through yeah. all those pieces too. <laughs> you know, you think it, you read it and you're like, oh, this makes so much sense. It's so easy. And then you, the, <laughs> the implementation is like, well, it is easy you know, to understand and logically, but when you actually implement it, you know, I think you made good points. You got to buy into it. You really do. And, and you have to get your it. team to buy into it as well, but it really mm-hmm. does start with you, the owner. If you're excited about it, if you can communicate to them the benefits and why you're excited about it and share your vision of where you're going and how you're going to get there by implementing it, they too then buy in and get excited and it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you've read, I just finished it. The follow-up to that is Rocket Fuel. And it's I have all, not, but it's on my list. Cool. I would, I would bump it up on your list. Okay. Uh, I, I'm like, I'm hooked on it because yeah, it's all about the integrator visionary relationship. That's Ooh. the whole book, but that's something that that I'm working through right now. And it's been super, super helpful. And I would guess that you're a classic visionary. And so trying to get, get that yeah. uh, integrator in place. That's why I love <laughs> that suggestion, because I truly do look at my role right now as more of a, like you say, where are we going with the business and how are we going to get there? And what is the vision? And that's why I really, I could not enjoy a job more than I do right now. And it's because of where we are and what I get to work on. And, you know, talking about reading books, I really love to read those kind of those business type books and, and that can that can help with the organization and, and all. I mean, I've read a lot of them, everything from sales and marketing. I'm trying to mix in a few more 
books like I'm reading David Baldacci and I find some of his his works are just really fun to listen to because they're suspenseful and they're they're entertaining. So I I tend to to I do a lot of um uh, books on tape. So I'll listen to one one month and then I'll go back into business mode the next month and that type of thing. So Yeah, yeah. I need to do more of that. Um I I kind of just keep staying in that business lane, but uh That's all right. you got to right. give your give your brain a break, I think. Yeah, so. you do. <laughs> you do. Well, Sometimes uh, people think I'm weird because I like to listen to books while I'm at the gym working out. But, you know, to me, I, I, for some reason, I'm still able to concentrate on what I'm listening to. And then it's really weird because sometimes I'll want to make notes on my, uh, my note section of my phone. So I have to stop, a, stop an exercise or something and make a quick note or something, but it's just kind of who I am. No, I love it. Yeah. I find that uh, for whatever reason with audiobooks, you know, you're always wanting to take notes and it's, I, I've tried it at the gym. It kind of works for me. Kind of, I can't focus like you can sometimes, but I, I, I do that in the car and I find I'm always hitting pause, doing the voice like note or voice, like send myself an email. I got to remember. And man, I don't know. It's just like always hitting the pause button. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. I've been like that on airplanes before when I'm trying to listen to it, but it is a little bit cumbersome, but it seems to work well for me. And that's, that's just kind of what I do. Well, Kim, you're you're a listener of the show, so you know we got one last segment coming up called oh. the Fast Five. But before we get to that, is there you know a good place that people can connect with you or learn more about what you're up to, or if they want to check yeah. out kind of your podcast or anything like that? What's the best way to connect? So you can you can learn all about us, and there's links to our podcast and everything on um, our website, which is HibsHomesUSA.com. That's H-I-B as in boy, B as in boy, S as in Sam, and then Homes Plural USA.com. As I told you, I'm more than happy if there's any builders, remodelers, whatever, that want to reach out and just ask me questions, I'm always available because I just love the industry and I love helping people. That's why I enjoy listening to your shows every week. Cool, cool. Yeah, and I encourage you guys listening to take them up on it and yeah, say you listen to this episode and uh, give them a buzz. But uh, Kim, uh, we'll move on to our fast five. So five rapid fire questions, just stay whatever comes to mind. First one is, what is your favorite business book and why? Which we were just talking about these. Well, we just talked, I mean, Traction has to be up there, but there's another one that I read not that long ago that I thought was so interesting, Extreme Ownership. Yes. You read that one? Yeah, by, Jocko uh, Willink. Jocko Will. yeah. Fascinating book that, you know, from written by Navy SEALs to, you know, to, to how does it, you know, work in the business world and, and, you know, taking you from the combat field to the business world. Fascinating book. I just thought it was really cool. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. All right. Next question is who is the most inspirational person in your life? Oh, can I have two, please? I'll give you two. We could break okay. the rules. Okay. Uh, my brother, who is a, a very successful civil engineer, who I mentioned, and then my father-in-law, who is extremely successful at running a, an industrial painting company. They have been such an inspiration to to help me, guide me, to listen to questions and all. That by far, by ha- hands down, those two. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. If you could have one superpower, what would that be? Wow. I know all the power how, to choose. <laughs> how about I'd love to be able to see into the future. Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know that anyone's ever brought that one up. Oh before. my gosh. Can I you like imagine it. if you could kind of take a peek in the future? <laughs> oh, that That's a good one. I, now I'm rethinking mine. I, I always pick teleportation, but that one's well, pretty, that's good. pretty good too, though. <laughs> yeah. You could teleport yourself into the future. There you, know? you go. Yeah. Yeah. If we're creating our own superpower, we might as well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right. Describe yourself in three words. Ooh, the first one comes to mind is integrity. I always live by integrity. 
very determined and probably very organized. Awesome. All right. Last question is, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? Really, really take the advice to work on your business. You've heard this, work on your business, don't work in your business. Take the time to get it organized. Take the time to become a visionary. Hire the people that allow you to do that. And then I think the other thing that's crucial with any business is make sure that you have a really rock solid culture that goes along with your business. I think that's critical for um, just for the success of, of that business. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Well, Kim, thanks so much for joining me today. This was awesome. Sure. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. And again, love listening to you and, and your podcast each week. Keep up the good work because you really help a lot of people in the industry. Cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. And for everybody listening, definitely head over, check out uh, what Kim's doing with his podcast. I'm a big proponent of builders starting their own podcast. So uh, go check it out. Use that as an example. And uh, we'll see you next week. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kim. And uh, I think there were some some great takeaways in there. I, I think the first one was just kind of that mindset. I like it was a really subtle moment kind of in the middle there, but he talked about, you know, we talked about the challenges, but he said he really likes to look forward and looking at the opportunities. And I think there are a lot of opportunities for this industry right now. And over the next several years, obviously nobody has a crystal ball, but yeah, I think eyes up, you know, looking for those things is a huge one. And, you know, tackle the challenges, you know, we're always going to face those, but you move forward by looking at the opportunities. So I thought that was a great takeaway. Uh, the second one just being, you know, that uh, that message that we've continued to hear and we always hear as business owners, but working on the business and it it can't be overstated. I feel like, you know, just adding in more processes, adding in more systems, hiring the right people, filling those seats. You know, if you're wearing a lot of hats, how can you put somebody in a place where they can take on some of those responsibilities? How can you train them? In my experience, I've found that almost, you know, when you decide to put somebody in a role, then sometimes that's the moment that forces the processes, the systems, the training, because otherwise it always falls to the back burner. But if you have somebody there, you are forced to put all those things in place to make sure that they are enabled and equipped to do a great job. And so sometimes you can force that that training and that growth upon yourself. But I think that message of always working on the business is, is a big one. And so, yeah, I think uh, as we head into a new year and we're thinking about growing and continuing to push forward, I think, look at those opportunities, continue to work on the business. How can you propel the business forward and work on the things that you really should be spending your time on? How's your time well spent and best spent? So thanks again to Kim for coming on the show. And thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate your support of the show. Last year, we had a monster year of growth for the podcast. And it's definitely thanks to you guys for spreading the word, leaving us reviews, sharing this with colleagues. Um, we're trying to bring you guys great expert guests, great people that have a lot of knowledge so that we can just continue to build our businesses and move things forward in a positive way. All right, guys, that's it for now. We'll see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.